0: أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان وبعد بعث ما يقوله من أيس من حياته عن سيدتنا عائشة رضي الله تعالى عنها قالت سمعت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو مستند إليا يقولوا Wa ازفلي ورحمني وألحقني بالرفيق الأعلى. This is a chapter regarding what a person should say when they uh, when their life it seems like their life is over, they're about to die. Uh, what a person should say when they've given up hope in life. Given up hope not in the sense that Allah Ta'ala can obviously change anything at any time, but it looks like it's time to exit because everyone will die eventually. And by denying that, you're not profiting yourself. If it looks like it's your time to go, then you should prepare yourself for it. Sayyidatina Aisha, Aisha ta'ala anha said, I heard the Prophet وسلم, uh, uh say when he was sitting up uh, facing me. O oh Allah, forgive me and have mercy on me and join me with the highest of companionship. And join me with the highest of companionship. Meaning what? قِيلَ al بِهِ bihi. الْمُرَادُ al-muradu bihi وَالْعِبَادُ malaikatul muqarrabuna wal ibadu salihuna بمعنى العام وهو الوجه الاتم المناسب لما جاء في قول يوسف وتوفني توفني مسلما والحقني بالصالحين وفي صلاحي في سلاحي لابن همام هم الانبياء وَالصَّادِقُونَ والشهداء والصالحون المذكور في قوله تعالى وحسن اولئك رفيقا the highest of companionship meaning the angels that are close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because even the angels like human beings there's ranks and levels amongst them so the Rafiqul ala the highest of companionship is what is those angels who are in the highest level closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the righteous and upright slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is the most uh, general meaning of al rafiqul al-a'la and uh, the most proper. Uh, and this is also uh, in line with the Quranic du'a of the Prophet uh, Yusuf alayhi salam, when he said, uh, take me, ya Allah, take me as uh, in a state of submission and join me with the righteous. Um, and uh, uh, Ibn Humam, who is, I'm assuming the commentator, uh, the commentator on the hidayah, the canonical commentator on the Hidayah, Sahib uh, Al-Fath al-Qadir. Um, he said that these are the people, the Rafiq al-A'la is who, the prophets and the Siddiqun, the people of true faith, and the Shuhada, the martyrs, and the Salihun, and the righteous. Um, all those people were mentioned in the Quran before the words, Wahasuna أُولَائِكَ uh The people who, uh, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, used the same word, Rafiq, that those people have such a beautiful, a beautiful companionship. Um, and uh, this is the most uh, the most proper the most proper meaning of this uh, uh, of this expression according to uh, according to the the commentator Ibn Alan uh, of this hadith that a person leaves the company of this world. And the fact of the matter is is that there are there are beings in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala's creation that may not even be human or angels. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, His creation is vast. The idea that this earth that we live on, even in terms of sentient life, encompasses a large part or a majority uh, of Allah Ta'ala's creation is completely wrong. It's not how our Salaf understood it. And it's not how our ulama understood it. And the people of Zikr and and the people of Kashf and the people of spiritual intuition. And when I say the people of Kashf, Kashf means what? Like uh, being able to see things that normal people can't see. Um, those people also experience all of these other realms and it's an overwhelming experience. It's not something that's like small. Obviously, when someone comes and claims all these things that I experienced this and that and the other thing, um, if you take it with a grain of salt, I'm like the one with a kilo of salt right behind, ready to like unleash it on the snail of the claimant, you know, uh, because oftentimes people make bogus claims about these things. But what gives a man pause or a person, I should say, to be PC, a pause uh, uh, with regards to certain people is that there are certain people who see these things, and their hal is completely conformant to the sharia. They're the ones who never miss their sunnahs, they're the ones who are always on wudu, they're the ones who are always making dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, they're the ones who are the most uh, uh, exacting in their, their following the sharia, they're the ones who are underst- understand the aqidah of the Ahl-Sunnah and, and, the, and the righteous people most properly. They're the ones who you see have the most fear of Allah Ta'ala in them. Then when they claim they see something, you know, then it gives you pause that maybe this person actually has uh, some sort of hal with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are very few people like that. But, you know, even from amongst those people, they experience these things that that uh, give them the idea that, that we're a very small part of Allah ta'ala's creation. So, whoever Allah ta'ala has from his, from, from the things that in the people and the, the, the beings that he created that are the closest to him, and they're known in the ilm of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, some of them are very strange. They're like the personified. Uh, uh, the personifications of certain good deeds that people have, right? Uh, um, some of them are the personification of certain, you know, concepts. That this is the rahim, this is the, the kinship bonds, or this is the personification of the recitation of the Quran, or this is the personification of truth, or this is the the you know, the animus of the Kaaba, or something like that. Right? Because, quote unquote, primitive people. That's what they they believe that everything has a spirit with it. I don't think that's completely far from our belief. The difference is we don't worship those spirits, uh, and we know that spirit, in, in whether it's in a tree or whether it's in a human being, it's not a, it's not a tangible. It doesn't have a tangible uh, uh, form in this world, in this realm. But it doesn't mean that there's no realm in which it doesn't take tangible form. So whatever is beloved to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala from all of these things that we know, and the majority of things that we don't know uh you know the the dua is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us their company in this world and in the hereafter wa anha radhiyallahu ta'ala anha qaltra eitu rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bil mauti wa indahu qadhun fihi ma'un wa huwa yadahu fil qadhi thumma yamsahu wajhahu bil ma'i thumma yaqulu allahumma a'inni ala ghamarat al mauti wa sakarat al mauti رَوَاهُ التِرْمِذِيُّ Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she narrates that, I saw the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was dying. And he had a small container, a small vessel in which there was water. And... Uh, um, and he would put his hand into the container of water, and then he would wipe his his head with it, uh, assuming that i 'm assuming that this is because of the this, the strong fever that he he had uh, to cool himself down, and then he would say, "Oh Allah, um, make the difficulties and uh, make, the, make make easy for me the difficulties of death, and make easy for me the the, the hardships of death and make e- easy for me." the the pangs of death. So this is something uh, Rasulullah uh, um also experienced, and all of us will experience as well. And uh, one of the hikmas of his going through it as well is, you know, one of the hikmas for us going through these things is what that they're a source of forgiveness and expiation for our sins. Obviously, Rasulullah that's not an issue for him. But this is also the mercy of Sayyidina Rasulullah that he went through difficulties on our behalf, and one of the difficulties that he went through on our behalf is what—that if he didn't leave a sunnah for us, what to do in that situation? If Rasulullah you know, uh, you know, uh, the dif- you know, uh, you know, he was good and he has no uh, sins to expiate. Then and he just ice skated out of the life of this world with ease, which is what you know, ostensibly it seems like he would have deserved. Uh, um, then we wouldn't have a sunnah of what to do at that time. And if he didn't go through the difficulties, then we would have said, well, he did what he did without his difficulties. But the fact of the matter is that the death of the Prophet ﷺ was very painful and very difficult for him. Um, and so you see, you can see the picture of him that he's dipping his hands in the water, and he's cooling down his fever, uh, and he's himself in pain. Uh, and so we could know what to do at that time, because for us, those pains are something very necessary for us. That uh, that we uh, uh, um, that we need those things to have our our sins forgiven and our, our sins expiated for, uh, and for him it was uh, uh, another blessing and rahmah for the ummah that they'll know what to do and how to behave at that time, not to kick and scream and not to start cussing people out and not to you're almost there, you're almost at the end, don't do anything stupid, right? It's the last whatever couple seconds of the Super Bowl. You have the ball in your hand. The finish, the, sorry, the touchdown, the zero-like line is 15 feet in front of you. Don't start dancing yet. Just take the ball across the line. Afterward, you can celebrate f- for, for as long as you want to. Uh, uh, so Rasulullah ﷺ, literally all the way to the end until the last, uh, he showed us how, how, we're to, uh, how we're to deal with that. باب استحباب وصيتي اهل المريض ومن يخدمه بالاحسان اليه واحتماله والصبر على ما يشقه من امره وكذا الوصيه بمن قرب سبب موته بحدن او قصاص او نحوها او نحويهما This is the chapter regarding the recommendation uh, of how to what advice to give the family of a person who is uh, uh, terminally ill, uh, or uh, uh, and how to what advice to give those people who serve that person that they should do so in, in a good way and that they should carry that person's burden and they should be patient on the difficulties of this affair, meaning caring for someone who's dying, and and likewise uh, uh, the advice to the one who. Uh, the reason for their death, their impending death is, clo- is is The reason for their death is impending, it's close at hand. Uh, even if it's from a had punishment, uh, uh, meaning a, a, a capital uh, punishment for a, a, a crime, or qisas, or in retaliation for having murdered someone else, or something of the like. وَعَنْ عِمْرَانِ بْنِ الْحُسَيْنِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَنْهُ أَنْ مِّنْ جُهَيْنَةً أَتَتِ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَهِيَ حُبْلَىٰ مِنَ الزِّ فقالت يا رسول الله اصبت عليه فدعا نبي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وليها فقال احسن اليها فاذا وضعت فاتيني بما بها ففعل ففعل فامر بها النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فشدت عليها ثيابها ثم امر بها فرجمت ثم صلى عليها رواه مسلم It's a chapter regarding the recom- uh, Sorry, the chapter we mentioned. The chapter heading. It's narrated by Imran bin Hussein, and it's a short, it's a short narration uh, of an uh, of a longer story uh, that a woman from the tribe of Juhena came to Rasulullah Came to the Prophet وسلم, pregnant from zina, and she said, "O Messenger of Allah, I have crossed one of the the limits of Allah subhanahu wa taala, so establish the punishment on me." So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa called her wali, called her guardian and said, be good to her. And when she gives birth, then uh, uh, bring her to me. Uh, and he did so. And uh, he then uh, commanded that she should be uh, uh, tied by her clothes, or that her clothes be tightened, uh, uh, so as to not expose anything in the process of the, the rajam and that she be uh, uh, stoned to death. And then he prayed her janaza. It's a narration of Muslim. There's a number of issues that uh, that that this story brings up. One of the things is that in the deen, the had punishments, the, the, the prescribed sharia, prescribed corporal and capital punishments with regards to certain specific crimes, it's a special class of crime. Um, there are certain punishments that are actually... Worse in the Sharia, but there's no had punishment. There's no prescribed fixed punishment for them. Like transacting in riba, it's a, a crime that's even higher than it's a crime that's even higher than zina, for example. But there's no fixed punishment for it. You pay the money back, and you just have to deal with it in the hereafter. And so, there's a difference of opinion amongst the ulama with regards to what the theory behind the, the usuli theory behind the had punishment is. One of the, one of the uh, 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 opinions, which is the opinion of the Jamhur, of the majority of the scholars, is that the had punishment is an expiation, it's forgiveness for the, for the sin. The person receives the punishment, then they're guaranteed that that's, as long as they sought it out of, uh, out of uh, sincerity, uh, in, in wishing f- to be uh, cleansed from that sin, then that, that punishment becomes a, a source of A source of uh, expiation and kafara for that person in the life of this world. Um, Imam Abu Hanifa, his opinion is different than that. He says, no, this sin is like every other sin, inasmuch as it can only be forgiven by sincere repentance. The other ulama, also they don't preclude the idea that repentance can get you forgiven for it. But the idea is that the one that the Had passes over, that one will be forgiven because they've, been, they've taken their their punishment in this world. Abu Hanifa says no. It's just sincere repentance is the only thing that that gets any sin forgiven. And the punishment itself is not going to guarantee that, that the sin is forgiven. A person should repent. To my knowledge, wallahu a'alam, I don't have an encyclopedic like uh, knowledge of the sharia from every different imam's point of view. But to my knowledge, uh, I've not heard a, a claim from any of the ulama that a person should encourage for them to seek the had punishment if they did something wrong. So the hudud, they don't become, uh, uh, they don't become uh, uh, obligatory to be enforced until the complaint is raised to the authorities. So if for example, someone so for example like you know, the Zayd and Amr are sitting here, Zayd stole something from Amr, Zayd stole something from Amr, Amr caught him. If the two of them work it out amongst themselves, that's, that's okay. There's no sin involved there. And they should work it out amongst one another. It's actually preferable to work it out amongst one another. They should not raise it to the authorities. Once it gets to the authorities, once it's just between them, they can, they can deal with it with one another and it'll be done. Once it's raised to the authorities, then at that point, the judge, the Qadi, once the case comes in front of him or in front of one of the official representatives of the state, then the the case cannot be forgiven in this world. Then it's a sin on everybody if the case is forgiven. Why? Because that matter has become public. And there's now a public interest in seeing that this crime be punished. Otherwise, people will feel the injustice of it that this thing happened and nothing happened about it. And perhaps it's okay that some people will be forgiven and some people will be punished. Uh, Or that that it's something that is okay, if it happens, it's not that big of a deal, because it's a very big deal. If you can control the the scope of who knows about it, then that public interest is not invoked. The same thing is there with zina. Obviously, nobody in this gathering ever committed zina. Allah Ta'ala protect us all from ever committing zina. Uh, And the one who makes tawbah from a sin is like the the one who never committed that sin in the first place. But if a person ever committed zina, Allah Ta'ala protect us. It's actually the ulama say you're not supposed to take it to the tribe, the what you call the magistrate or to the court. Why? Because if it's something the two people, the two parties who committed it, they keep it under wraps and they make tawbah for it, it's better. And in fact, the way the Prophet taught people to be judges is what? Is that. That you should try to uh, get people off of the had punishments through technicalities or through giving them the benefit of the doubt. So, even even uh, the stories of the Prophet, uh, 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 and I'm not sure if it's the exact same story or another one. There's a story that a woman comes to the Prophet, and she f- says, she confesses that she committed zina, and she's married, and, uh, or she was married, and uh, 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 what happens is that. Uh, uh, she confesses in front of the Prophet ﷺ, and he turns away from her once, he turns away from her twice, and she, he, he turns away from her a third time. And then uh, he asks her questions out of the possibility, uh, or bringing up the possibility that maybe she did something improper, but it wasn't technically zina. Right? Zina is what? Uh, the, act like, uh, the, the act as if to see the, the thread go through the eye of the needle. Right, So there are a number of things before that that are the muqaddimat of zina that are haram and wrong and things like that, but the had is not for any of those things. And so, uh, uh, then he tries to, you know, and then what he asks is that, wait, maybe you're, you're pregnant. And so she's pregnant. And so he says, wait, go do it. If, if, if once it's established that she's pregnant, he says, wait and deliver the child first. So she delivers, she comes back with the baby in her arms. And then he says what? He says, go back. And uh, uh, the child has a right that that the mother should feed it, suckle the child. And so she does that. So it's two years and nine months, basically, almost three years, basically, that he's putting this off. At any point, she could have, she could have just bounced, and he was not going to send anyone after her. She herself insisted, and why? This is something that, like, for example, if a kafir listens to the story, they're going to say like. Well, oh, you know, this is barbaric, this is horrible, whatever. And aslan, we don't really care about, you know, what somebody thinks about our, uh, our deen. They definitely don't care about what we think about theirs. Uh, but what they don't understand is what? Is that a person who has a genuine fear about standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and feels guilt in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes these things become more of a mercy than them than, than, than living with their guilty conscience. Uh, and so she, of her own volition, comes back again and again and again. And then uh, the, the command is given that she should be uh, 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 stoned. Interestingly enough, right? So if she is going to be stoned to death, it's known to everybody. Rasulullah in this hadith, he says what? He gives the wasiyah to her wali, her guardian. Who knows that she's basically, you know, she's going to come back and all that's going to happen is she's going to be, uh, you know, given, the, given a, uh, an execution essentially. What does he say to the wali? Allah, you raised a horrible daughter, you raised a horrible relative she 's horrible, this and that i can 't you know get her out of my face and all this no, he said what be good to her, take care of her in this time don 't treat her like garbage or treat her badly and uh, uh, you know it 's not like this kind of like super hyper Protestant judgmentalism that like uh, everybody treats a sinner like as if they're some sort of like leper or diseased person that should be pushed away. Which interestingly enough, even Sayyidina Isa salam, even according to the, the Yahud, and Nas- not the Yahud, the Nasara, he never, <laughs> he's the one who used to take care of lepers, right? Uh, so obviously, him treating someone like a leper would be that, what, he makes ihsan toward the person. Even though nowadays they treat like poor people like as if they're some sort of like, uh, like Ebola virus patient or something like that, that we need to get rid of these people, otherwise they'll consume all of society with their horribleness, right? Um, so what is it? It's, uh, and I can't, you know, stomach the hypocrisy of all of this, that people should claim that they're evangelical Christians and they're, or they're very super, even Muslims, we're Muslims like that as well that in in, in this country and in other countries that they claim they're very religious and they're very quote-unquote conservative. By the way, this word liberal and conservative, these words mean absolutely nothing. In fact, all they mean is that the person who ascribes themselves to themselves is confused. They don't mean anything. Uh, 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 And it just means that the person is confused, you know? (laughs) Uh, there are other confused people as well we don 't agree with them there are people confused about their gender as well we don 't we say okay it 's biologically should be known. We recognize you may have some psychological issues and we feel sorry for you we don 't like you know we 're not making fun of you about that, but this is basically from the same as far as i 'm concerned it 's the same uh, um, class of class of difficulties that that should be dealt with uh, but how can you be a person who describes yourself as a Muslim or how can you be a person who describes yourself as a Christian and then afterward have no mercy for the poor? I have no idea. Treat beggars like garbage. Obviously the Prophet tanhar, it's like the second, according to some of the ulama, the second narration that came down, Surah Al-Duha, the first narration after the fatara. That, 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 that as for the one who begs and asks, you're not allowed to turn them away harshly. Uh, and Sayyidina Isa alayhi obviously he, you, there's no stories in the Bible that show him treating poor people badly. Uh, or with anything except for with the utmost of honor and respect and care. Uh, and concern and compassion. At any rate, so what does he do? He, he tells the, the wali that, treat her well. Why? Obviously what's the point in treating someone well who's going to be, uh, um, who's just like the, the, the clock is ticking over their head. They have no future. You know They're not going to be able to you know, get a mortgage from guidance and pay off their house in 30 years and live happily ever after. There it's all, there's all very limited time uh, type of thing. In this world, there's really no khair for a person like that. One thing is the whole honor issue, even that he said it to the side, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Beside that, there's a very practical issue. Even that practical issue, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said that in this world, basically what he's saying in this world, it's very clear that there's very little reason for you to invest much into her. But for the Akhirah, you'll receive reward. That's why he was saying, asin ileha. That for the Akhirah, all of this will count for you. And then the Prophet it's it, it, it said explicitly that what he commanded that she... And she came back of her own volition. And he commanded that the Had Punishment be carried out. Afterward, he personally prayed over her janazah. Rasulullah wasallam didn't pray over everybody's janazah, by the way. There were instances that he said I'm not going to pray over this person but he prayed over, over her janazah as well, there's a narration that someone was casting a stone at, a, at, a, at a, an adulterer it didn't happen very often in Medina Munawara, it was very uh, rare uh, occasion uh, uh, and really in the history of Islam, Rajam happens like Allahu Alam, it happens like a handful of times in every century, it's not something that happens super often as far as I know, the, the place that it happens the most in the world is Iran. And they have, their own, they have their own kind of outlook on the Sharia that's different than ours. And that may be why it happens a little bit more frequently over there than it does uh, in, the, in the Sunni countries. It's very difficult. It's almost impossible without someone voluntarily coming forward and admitting their Zina. It's almost impossible. I've, I've asked people, judges in different countries, where Rajam happens... Some There are certain Muslim countries that happen secretly because they're so afraid of what, what's going to happen if it gets in the news. They do it completely DL. They do it, but they do it completely DL. I asked, I asked a, an, an intelligence officer who oversees all of these things in a Muslim country once, I asked, have you ever done rajam of a rajam of a person? I was shocked when he said that they did it. They said, yeah, they do it, but it's very DL. Uh, I asked him, have you ever done rajm based on evidence rather than iqrar, rather than admission? He says, no, never. It's legally it's impossible to prove. At any rate, Rasulullah when the rajam was happening, uh, someone cursed uh, cursed uh, the the uh, the, uh, uh, the person who was getting stoned when they throw through the stone, and Rasulullah forbade forbade them, said don't curse them, because this woman, wallahi, if her uh, 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 toba was uh, spread on all of Medina, everybody would have been forgiven because of it. And that includes the, obviously that will include what? It will include the munafiqeen as well. That those people, if they made a toba like this, all of, one toba would have sufficed for everybody. If, they, if it was just if small pieces were distributed to everybody, that's how much sincerity it was given with. And in another riwayah the toba, if it, was, if it was given even to a tax collector, it would have been forgiven. What does that mean? And people don't like the IRS in America anyway, right? And still their IRS they has some laws that restrain them from what they can and they can't do a tax collector in the old days were basically they were thugs, they are goons like you, know, like you have the people who repo cars and things like that uh, there's some laws that prevent them from doing what they're essentially like gangsters and thugs that found a legal way of doing their thuggery they're not super nice people if you ever deal with people at the impound lot or whatever they're not very cooperative about anything so uh, the idea is in the old days imagine those people when they're unchecked you know, that they're, they're, they become a metaphor for horribleness uh, Rasulullah s.a.w. said that this is even a tax collector if they, if they made this tawbah Allah ta'ala would have accepted it from them so that's, that's what it is uh, uh, that if a person who is you know people say oh they're terminally ill you know just give up or whatever even this the person who is about to be stoned for for, for zina uh, uh, um, that person Rasulullah s.a.w. said what? be good to them, could be, be good to that person and by the way, yeah, so I, from a fiqh point of view, nobody, my sincere and heartfelt advice is, A, don't commit these sins. B, if you do, just go and cry in front of Allah Ta'ala and give Him your your tears, inshallah. The fact that you have tears is a good sign, inshallah. I can't guarantee it, but it's a good sign that your your uh, toba is being accepted. The fact that you hate that you did your sin. And uh, then afterward... The Sharia says it's superior not to tell, uh, uh, so you don't have to tell anybody, it's better that you, especially if there's no way anyone will find out. One thing, if they're going to find out anyway, that's a different thing, right? Uh, but if there's, especially if there's no way anyone's ever going to find out, just rectify the situation, whatever haram, illicit relationship there is, cut it off, be done with it, and your tears in front of Allah Ta'ala are sufficient, inshallah, as a sign that your Tawbah is being accepted, inshallah, and don't. Don't, uh, don't, don't say to anybody as another str- interesting fact uh, um, there, when you're outside of Darul Islam if a person commits uh, zina for example in uh, a, a pl- place outside of the wilayah of the sharia um, then they go to the qadi to the judge within Darul Islam and even if they admit the crime if it happened outside of Darul Islam there's, there's no jurisdiction it's just between you and Allah you can't, you're not eligible to receive the punishment aslan uh, that's not an endorsement, or anyway, <laughs> in any way. Just the the sin, all of these crimes, whatever happens to us in a, in this life, or doesn't happen. The real show is going to be on the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. I wish I could say all of us are going to live long lives and be happy and he- healthy and wealthy and uh, you know enjoy a very idyllic and story t- book type life. The fact is, it's not. You can't guarantee it. Maybe some of us, maybe all of us, will. Die before reaching old age. Maybe someone will get some sort of painful disease. Maybe someone will lose all of their money. Someone's wife or husband will leave them. Somebody, this will happen, that. Those things happen, you can't guarantee any of those. Whatever happens in this world or doesn't happen in this world, the yawm al-qiyamah, as long as it's in order, you'll be okay. You, you, you all remember the hadith of the Prophet that yawm al-qiyamah, the person who suffered the most in this world, who's in Jannah, will be brought forth. And Allah Ta'ala will ask him, after he enters Jannah, have you ever had any difficulty in his life, your life? Say, so, yeah, well, Never, yeah, my Lord, I never had any difficulty in my life. Why? Because that reality is so solid, it makes everything else seem like nothing. And then the person who enjoyed the most in Jahannam, Salah, there's gonna be some people in Jahannam that really lived it up in this world. In ways that, mashallah, desi is from the from the western suburbs can't even imagine. Okay? Like if you even tried thinking about it, like you even saw it, you'd have to just go make wudu or something like afterward, it's so bad. Right? Those people will be asked, Yawm al-Qiyamah, you know, did you ever enjoy anything? Once they're in the hellfire, they'll say, our our Lord, we never enjoyed anything in our life. We never had a good day ever. We never saw any good in our existence ever. وَالْعِيَادُ billah. So a person, whatever happens, good, bad, or ugly in this world, those things, they happen. The good news is, whatever it is, it's gonna be over very soon. Sooner rather than later. Uh, or if you want to be overly op- optimistic, sooner or later it's going to be over. As long as your hisab on that side is clear, we'll be fine, inshallah. Inshallah, we'll be fine. That's the gham that we all have to have is that we should make sure that the, the, the hisab is clear on that side. So don't don't go around admitting your sins to people, inshallah. Just make tawbah to Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will forgive you, inshallah. Babu Jawazi al Maridi انا وجع او شديد الوجع او ا او نحو ذلك وبيان انه لا في ذلك لم يكن على وجه تسخط على او اظهار mm mm-hmm. okay uh, 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 uh. well that's I'm just looking up at the then Ah, so the chapter with regarding the permissibility for the sick person, the terminally ill or very ill person, to say I'm in pain or I'm in severe pain or uh, I'm hurting or oh my head or something like that. And uh, uh, the explanation that it's not makruh, there's no dislikeness in that, as long as it's not uh, uh, um, a person showing their anger with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or uh, showing that they're they're freaking out as long as they're still in control but they're just saying it hurts that 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 much is permissible. <laughs> anni yu'aku kama yu'aku ar-rijalan minkum muttafaq alayhi saidna abdullah ibn radhi radhiyallahu ta'ala anhu he narrates that i entered on the prophet sallallahu alayhi he was in pain and so I, I i felt him i touched him and i said o oh messenger of allah you're in you're in pain very severe pain and he says he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yes I'm in pain, uh, and I'm in pain uh, more pain than than two 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 of your men would ever be able to handle, or could could be in. Uh, so the hadith is it's a it's a mercy it's a suburb, uh, mercy from Allah subhanahu wa taala, rahmah from Allah subhanahu wa taala that he made it permissible that a person should be allowed to mention their pain. Aslan, if you're receiving reward from Allah taala, and you know this is what the professional orators and, and demagogic preachers of Islam have made a living doing telling everybody about how, mashallah, all of our difficulties are a blessing in disguise, and you know, so you should make sabr and this and that. And, and, and indeed, there's a, there's a concept in the, in the deen that's mentioned in the Quran which is called sabr jamil, that you should, sabr jamil is the type of sabr in which you don't say anything that could be even construed as a complaint. But Rasulullah ﷺ also his sunnah is for everybody and not everyone will be able to handle that. That's also a mercy from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that if you're in pain, uh, you're not required to do sabr jamil. You can also admit that you're in pain. Sometimes admitting your pain to somebody else, uh, um, there's a catharsis in it. You feel better because you admitted it to somebody. Um, that's all only with the people who you love and who love you. Otherwise, most people, when you admit your pain to them, they take it as a sign of weakness and exploit you for it. So you want to be careful who you admit your pains and your difficulties to, because not everybody has your best interests at heart. Unfortunately, even though that's what the dean is. <laughs> the Muslim is the one who the uh, uh, the other Muslims they're safe from his tongue and from his hand, from his hand and from his tongue. But this is, a, this is a mercy from Allah Ta'ala. Okay, fine. If you can't do the Sabr Jamil thing, then you can admit that you're uh, in pain. You can admit that you're in pain. And sometimes there's, there's khayr in that as well. So Rasulullah ﷺ and Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud said to him that you're in pain, in, in, in severe pain. Uh, he said that, uh, or sorry, you're in severe fever. Uh, uh, he says, yes, uh, I my fever is such that that uh, two of, that that it's the, the fever of two of your men, meaning it's harsher than two 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 other men would be able to bear. So he admitted that that's okay to admit that. وَأَنْسَىَ أَنِ ابْنِ أَبِي رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تعالى عَنْهُ قَالَ جَاءَنِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ, الله عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَعُودُنِي مِنْ وَجْعٍ اشْتَدَّ بِهِ فَقُلْتُ بَلَغَ بِمَا وَأَنَا ذُو مَالٍ وَلَا يَرِثُنِي uh, or illa bnati wa zakar al hadith, mutfaqun alayhi. Sayyidina Sa'd bin Abi Waqas radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Um, he narrates that uh, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came to visit me when I was in severe pain. And so I said to him, You've seen my, my situation has become as bad as you've seen, uh, and I have some money and I have nobody to inherit from me other than my daughter. And then he mentions the rest of the hadith. The rest of the hadith is what? That he said, I only have a daughter. the our sharia, uh, no woman will inherit the full uh, uh, estate. The maximum a woman will inherit is half of an estate. So if a person dies and they have only a daughter, the daughter gets a half. No one woman will inherit the entire estate. Um, there's a lot of reasons for this that we can get into some other time but the idea is that because if you allow a woman to inherit the maximum estate the, then she might marry another person and that person will inherit from her and the money of one family will go to another the idea of inheritance, the person, the next of kin should get the money what Islam does is it breaks up conglomerations of wealth in the sense that one person can't give the entire estate to another one person except for in the most exceptional circumstances um, so as to break up large conglomerations of wealth but the idea is that not that one person should work hard and then their own heirs go hungry and just other people eat the money so uh, at any rate the, and there's a lot of discussion there if you're interested in it you can study the miraf as well afterward but he said that I only have one daughter so I want to just give away all my money right now uh, uh, because I, it's not like I have a family that I left behind so his daughter her name was Aisha and the interesting thing is he doesn't obviously he doesn't die from this he doesn't die from this sickness, right? And so he asked the Rasulullah, وسلم, what should you do, right? So if you're a complete like Darwish, ah, give the money away. You know, if it was like a board member or whatever, he'd be like, yeah, sure, give all the money to, or even for that matter, unfortunately, unfortunately, an unscrupulous like, <laughs> mullah saab who has his own masjid or his own madrasa he's running. <laughs> yeah, give it for the sake of Allah. Go ahead. You know, raise your hand and <laughs> <laughs> takbir <ta-feer>, Allah. <laughs> Rasulullah sallallahu wa sallam, What did he say? He says, no, leave it for your, leave it for your daughter. Leave as much of the estate as you can for your daughter because you'll receive more reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that your heirs should be left in a good state and not have to go around asking people, begging people for money that they should have their dignity. That will be more reward for you from Allah ta'ala than if you just give it to random strangers. Uh, the mic went out. Do you, here, can you go give this to Amid Should go change the batteries, inshallah. So Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, obviously he always encouraged people to do what's best. Aisha, quickly, move quickly, go, 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 go. So obviously Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he uh, uh, Allah ta'ala give reward to Aisha and Abdullah. They both did khidma today, mashallah. Um, he encouraged people to do what's best, but oftentimes that wasn't. The way people nowadays would do so, callous and self-righteous people would do so. Rasulullah always looked for the person that's doing the good, what's in their interest. And then he looked at interests in a holistic sense. If everybody gives all their money to the masjid, then everybody's family is going to go hungry. There are people in this world, they'll say that. They'll say, give all your money, give all your money. By their bank account is just as fat as it ever was. There are people who say, oh, go and study, go do this, go do that. Their own sons are in medical school. There are some people who will say, go out in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't worry, Allah will provide for you. And their own uh, sons are, mashallah, in university and at work and things like that. This type of encouragement to doing good, there is no khair in it. Obviously, if somebody has this, you know, if somebody uh, has, you know, been kind of duped by a person like this, whatever you do for the sake of Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala will reward you for it. So a person shouldn't feel bad. Oh, look what I did and I, someone made a fool out of me. Go get the mic. She's changing the batteries. Go get the mic back from her. Okay, move the oh, they moved the batteries. No, no more batteries for today? Okay, I'll, okay, that's fine. Can you hear me now? I'm trying to yell a little bit. So the idea is that, okay, fine, if, you were, if someone did that to you, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Why? Because whatever, in Allah al muhsinin. Allah Ta'ala doesn't ever waste the, the reward of a person who does things with ihsan. Like the Rasul wasallam told a story about the man who wanted to give sadaqah, so he gave it to a woman and then everyone laughed at him and said, oh, she's a prostitute. And the, the person who wanted to give sadaqah, the next day he gave sadaqah to someone, they all laughed at him and said, the guy you gave it to is a thief. And the third person he gave sadaqa to, and they all laughed at him and said, that guy that you gave sadaqah to, he's just cheap, he's a miser. He dresses like he's poor, he actually has a lot of money. And so, but the sincerity that the, the, the person then saw in a dream, the sincerity with which they gave was such that the prostitute, when she received the money from him, it, co- it was a cause for her making toba from, from doing that work. And the, the, the uh, thief that, 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 that got the money, it was, a, you know, that the sincerity with which it was given, it became a cause for him to what? To stop stealing. And the, the, the miser, the, the, the rich man who was a miser, when he got that money, it was, it was given with such sincerity. It was a cause for him also to stop being so cheap that he should also then give for the sake of Allah Taala. The less fortunate as well. So if a person is in that, if a person is in that situation, uh, okay, now that you know better, then find better people to take advice from. But it's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. You're still doing okay. As long as you are still happy that you did something for the sake of Allah, you're still doing okay. Don't feel like I wasted my time or I wasted my efforts, wasted my energy, they all made a fool out of me. You did it for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. Whoever is a fool for the sake of Allah Ta'ala, the glad tidings to you. The fact is that everybody else is a fool. You're the one. You'll see how much Allah will reward you for it. But uh, you shouldn't do that intentionally. Uh, and, and the point is more for what? The point is more for the ones who are giving people this advice that you rectify yourself, straighten yourself out, up first. Don't be a person who sees that, you know, what's uh, uh, good for the goose isn't good for the gander. What you would like for yourself, that's what you should like for other people. Either you like something bad for yourself, so you should stop liking it for yourself and come on to what you're saying, the, the thing you're telling others. Or what you're telling others is not right, and you should stop saying that and you should start telling them what you say for yourself. If you're confused about the matter, you can go talk to Sheik Amin about it. You can go talk to Mawlana Bilal and Mawlana Tamim about it. They'll tell you, what, which, you know how to rectify it. But this idea that you, know, you should say something for someone else and then when somebody... I remember there was a place I interviewed to be imam for. A masjid I interviewed to be imam for. And they super low-balled me with the number. To be honest with you, I myself feel bad that I should even ask about getting paid. Rasulullah ﷺ, right... All of his money was essentially the ghanima from the path of Allah Ta'ala. He earned it himself. He never, he never asked for, for a stipend or a salary. But whatever. So he lowballed me, gave me a number that I said, the amount of things you're asking me to do and now you're going to give me this money, I can't suffice on it. No, no, this, you know this work work requires sacrifice and this and that and the other thing. I'm like, yeah, uh, there's a time that I would have probably uh, gone for that. But uh, now I know it doesn't work. You know, Sometimes keeping it real goes wrong, you know. When you try to keep it a little too real, you know, you try to fly above your pay, pay grade, it goes wrong, I'm sorry, I can't do it. So then after the, the, the negotiation or the meeting or whatever is done, uh, 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 you know, he goes, let me take you to lunch. I said, okay, we'll go to lunch, I'll meet you there, what's that? address? No, 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 I'll go. you can go in my car. So we go to this Mercedes-Benz, I swear to God, it's like some sort of like South American dictator level of Mercedes-Benz. <laughs> it's not like the Benz is like, my father had a Mercedes when we were a kid, mashallah. To me, it was just a car. I didn't know people like, oh, look, your father must be very rich. He saved money for a long time to buy it, uh, and he bought it used. But it was a nice car, mashallah. Uh, he ran it for like three hundred, four hundred thousand 400,000 miles, something like that. At any rate, this guy has a weird, like, Benz. I never seen nothing like it before. It's like some sort of special made, like, you know, like, when I say South American dictator, I'm talking about, like, not the not the like benevolent ones, the, the death camp, like, type ones, you know? Uh, and I sit in this car and I'm like, oh my goodness, I said, you're telling me about the path of Dean requires sacrifices what the hell is this? (laughs) and he just laughs, he has a good laugh Sheikh I'm Shaykh, we're sinners what are we going to do about it? I was like, yeah, okay, even if I was going to take the job until now, now I'm sure as hell not going to take the job right, you you can't do that I mean, I'm sure the guy's a nice guy he probably just never thought about it or whatever You you cannot do stuff like that that's really bad. That's very, like a very large infraction of the sunnah that you ask somebody to do something you're not yourself willing to do. So, Rasulullah, ﷺ, the beauty of him and the mercy of him, right? Is what? Is that he would have done it for himself and for his family, but he couldn't bear to see somebody else go through difficulty, so he said, Don't do it. Your daughter, it would pain you to know that your daughter has nothing to, you know, no one to take care of her and this and that and the other thing. Don't do it for yourself. Don't do it. He would have done it for himself, sallallahu Alayhi sallam. but he he didn't uh, he didn't allow anybody else. Ahlul Bayt of the Prophet sallallahu Alayhi Wasallam they they never took the money of zakat. They don't take the money of zakat until this day. But for who Saad bin Abi Waqas he said no leave the money for your leave the money for your daughter. Uh, and that's that's the way you know that's that's how you can you know then show a straight face in front of everybody because people preach about all. People preach about good akhlaq and they preach about unity and they preach about generosity and inclusiveness. Sometimes those are the people with the worst akhlaq. Sometimes those are the people who cause the most division in the ummah. Sometimes they're the people who are the most uh, uh, miserly when it comes to giving. Sometimes they're the ones who love money more than anybody else. And what happens, Mu'minu Ghirun Karim, hadith of Prophet that the believer is a person who is um, gullible and uh, 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 generous. If you ask them they 'll give you and you tell them they 'll believe you why? Because if a person themselves is a liar not a liar, then how are they going to know what the, the mind of a liar works like right but uh, 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 the idea is that if a person the closer they come to the simplicity as an individual, it may be a fail to be that simple minded and that that kind with other people, but if you have a society that everybody is like that, there's no society that will be more powerful than it. Ten, fifteen people of, that are like that when they get together, they'll be able to do the things that a hundred and a thousand people can't do. Ten thousand people, a hundred thousand people can't do uh, from people who are just looking after their own uh, self interest So he said, "Sallallahu <laughs> alaihi wasallam, rahmatullah alamin, Allahumma salli wasallam wa Sayyidina Muhammad wa Ala Ali Sayyidina Muhammad." He said, "What?" He said, "Just." don't give the money away it's better you just let your let your daughter have her share of the inheritance inshallah and he didn't die from that he didn't die from that illness by the way radiyallahu anhu rather he became what? Uh, um, rather he became what? he became uh, a, a great uh, commander and uh, he was a general that, uh, that uh, he was very sick he was ill almost immobilized but he was the commander of the the forces of the Sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala, whom at the Battle of Qadisiyyah, which was basically the death blow to the Sasanian Persian Empire, and forced the way open for uh, the Muslim conquests of all the places that we're from. <laughs> so, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala gave him good and long life. When Al Qasim ibn Muhammadin, radiallahu ta'ala, rahimahullahu ta'ala, قال قالت عَائِشَةُ رضي الله تعالى عنها وراسا فقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بل انا وراسا وذكر <laughs> الحديث اه راهل البخاري you have to love uh rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam how uh, how he despite being being who he was uh, um, he, he so he still he still kept it real mashallah um, Al Qasim bin Muhammad. Do anyone know who Al Qasim bin Muhammad is? Yeah, he's a grandson of Sayyidina Abu Bakr Muhammad bin Abi Bakr radhiyallahu anhu was uh, um, conceived, uh, or sorry, not conceived, born during the Hajjatul Wida of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and uh, Al Qasim Al Qasim bin Muhammad is uh, uh, obviously his grandson. He's also the Grandfather of Ja'far al-Sadiq, who's the sixth lineal descendant of the Prophet ﷺ, Ja'far bin Muhammad al-Baqir, Ibn uh, 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 um, Ali Zain al-Abidin, Ibn, uh, Ibn al-Husayn, Ibn Ali, and Ibn Abi Talib anhu. So he's the, the grandson of the Prophet ﷺ. So uh, Al-Qasim bin Muhammad, was the grandson of Sayyidina Abu Bakr anhu, who is the, the nana, the maternal grandfather of, of Sayyidina al-Ja'far al-Sadiq. <coughs> Uh, Ja'far al Sadiq. Uh, and uh, uh, on top of that, uh, he has many virtues. He's one of the Fuqaha Sab'ah, one of the Fuqaha of Medina. In the age of the Tabi'een, he's one of the, one of the great ulama of Medina Munawwara, who's considered an authority uh, in Hadith and in Quran and in fiqh and in all of these other things. And um, he, he and uh, 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 um, Muhammad bin Abi Bakr and Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala Anhuma. The two of them there were two princesses of the, the, the Persian royal family that were in the mukasama. They were essentially captives from uh, from the Sahaba when they when they conquered the Persian Empire. So they're the, 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 the royal royal princesses, the daughters of the, the of one of the last emperors. And so the two of them they were married they're given in, 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 in uh, share one to uh, Muhammad bin Abi Bakr and the other one too. Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu. So say, he narrates, and why would he be narrating from Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha? Because it's his aunt. Right? Muhammad bin Abi Bakr and Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha are brother and sister, albeit Sayyidah Aisha is much older than her brother. If she's the wife of the Prophet in Hajjatul Wada' and Muhammad bin Abi Bakr is just being born at that time, then obviously she's much older. But they're brother and sister, so this is his aunt. So they're mahram. So he's narrating directly from his... From his uh, from his uh, pupo, from, uh, from his aunt. So so Sayyidah Aisha تعالى, anha, once said, um, when she was with the Prophet wasallam, Oh, my head. And she had a headache, she said, Oh, my head. <laughs> and the Prophet وسلم, says, No, no, no. <laughs> oh, my head. <laughs> like, my head hurts more than yours does. <laughs> and then, then, then the rest of the hadith is mentioned. Uh, are there any questions? and aslan aslan keep saying what are what, what context be, um and aslan ram yes. ram means ram means uh, uh, like suffering uh, and uh, um, or or grief I should say grief about something and aslan means like originally or at the base of a matter Asal is a Arabic word meaning root And Aslan means like At the root of the matter yeah. yeah, by the way, if I say stuff that You know, whatever, that's the best way Of knowing what I'm talking about Is asking for a translation in it Barakallahu alayhi